Amen. All right. How many of you were here over the past few weeks and got to hear the last teaching series that Donovan was taking us through? How many of you can say the word, though? Buen provecho. Yeah? Did I get it okay? Oh, bueno. Okay, good. Um, the point of the series is that God and His relationship that He has with us, the way we pursue God and the way He pursues us, sometimes we can just be okay with it. But to pursue it as a matter of great importance to us, to maximize our enjoyment and our fulfillment in this relationship with God. Not to be content with what the Christian name tag gives you. Not to be content with, I'm a CAD-carrying member of this club. To say, no, God has called me and set me apart for His purpose, so I must maximize every moment that I'm alive, every breath that I have, I must draw near to the Lord. So this series, so where I'm picking up for this next few weeks, is calling us back to just the way God operates in the way He pursues us and the way His heart is expressed in His Word by the power of His Holy Spirit. It's not cheap things. It's not trivial things. The things of God are holy. The things of God are precious. But sometimes for us, these things are, you know, it's just church or it's just, you know, it's a Christian association we have with Oh, we just sing a song or we just read our devotions. And God's like, there is treasure for you to find here. There's something that I have for you that only comes to light when your heart changes on the matter. It's the same black and white text you're reading in your Bible. But that same black and white text can totally transform your life when the heart is different. So it becomes treasure... But it looks like fool's gold. It looks like dirt to somebody else. It just looks like black and white text. Some old writings that people who need a crutch go and look for and decide to put their trust in this make-believe system called God. But for those who see Him, for those who encounter God, and those who seek after Him, He says, here is treasure you will find. Others will pass it by. So I want to take you through a series called Hidden Treasure. And I'm going to go through scripture right, and this is going all the way from Genesis all the way through the end of the book of Revelation. You'll see God's heart expressed to his people. And people who seek after him, he says, I have preserved certain things for those people. Right through scripture, you will see God hold back certain things. And he said, I will give it to the one who seeks after me with a whole heart. So the call to you as a church this morning is do we look for God and His Word like hidden treasure? Do we look and seek after it with our whole heart? Is it something that I will leave everything I have to go prospect this this territory? I need to find it. I need to find what is in here. For those of you who are familiar with the gold rush in this country, 
you will know how people did foolish things. Left everything they had, bought tracts of land just so that they could find little nuggets of gold. Scripture tells us where God is similar. He calls us to seek after Him by abandoning all the things that can so easily trap us and say, seeking God's heart matters to me more than anything else. But this begs the question, what do you value? Right? So what are the things that are important to you? There are lots of things. And this series you will find is a series that comes out of personal journey that I've been on over the last, say, six, six, seven months. The Lord has been just taking me on a journey of drawing things out of saying, Judah, I want to get to where your heart is at on these, on these issues. Because it, I have a Christian position on a lot of things. I have uh, a certain walk with God that I can say, yeah, the, these are things that I do. And God looks deeper still. Proverbs 21 verse 2 says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. I think I have it right. I have, I have most things understood for me. I think I've got it. But the Lord weighs the heart. He looks further in and he says, You think you have life figured out for you. But I'm looking at your heart. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I'm convinced just in my study of Scripture that whenever the Bible talks about the heart, it is often talking about the specific intentions or driving motivations that include your mind, but it is also the part it's connected to your spirit. This new spirit that God has given you, a new heart. When Scripture says in Ezekiel, He says, I will give them a new heart. He's not just talking about changing their mind on something. He's talking about changing the inner motivations of things. And God gives you a soul and a spirit that need to work in cooperation. And the living Word of God goes in and divides through certain things. And He says, these are intentions, these are thoughts that I need to replace by the renewing of your mind. Because these are things that are not of my heart. These are things that have drawn you to certain affections of this earth that need to be replaced, that need to be renewed, transformed. If you want context for that, that's Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. For you to understand that when God calls you to Himself, He's not just saying, Well, I guess if you only wanted me as much as you want some other things, that would be nice. No. He says He knows our hearts are often sick. Without God's intervention, without God affecting the engine of our heart, which is our spirit, the motivations of our mind and then the intentions of our thoughts are often very dark. They are not very pleasant. We don't often arrive at the right place. We are not people who are innately good people. As much as we would like to believe that there is a lot of good in us, there isn't. 
aside from God's renewing work of our mind, which has to start in our spirit, which is why the Word of God says He divides those things by His Word. He's able to separate things so that there is something that the Word of life can lay a hold of in you and say, I will draw you to myself. As He draws, him, draws you to Himself, He says, now let me change your mind on these things. As I draw you closer to my heart, I can show you why you should desire these things. It is no longer God trying to force you to keep a law you cannot keep. It's no longer God trying to tell you to do religious things that draw you into a place of struggling through things. Hey, media t- uh, sound team, do you mind just giving me a, like a radio mic, like a handheld mic? I'd prefer that to this thing which is dropping off my head. Um, so for us to remember that when God calls us to himself, he's looking for heart. He's not looking for actions first. The problem is in Christianity, we're often confronted by action points first. We want something to do. We want a mission team to be a part of. We want a church service to be in. We want some worship songs to start things off. We want a ministry to draw us into something. Whereas God says, long before any of those things show up, I weigh where your heart's at. Long before you walked in the door. And he knows the things you've been through. So when you look at somebody, I'm talking about to all the people who are sitting in this church meeting right now, who are saying, you know, I responded to God and I'm ready to receive from what God has for me. And there is, for all intents and purposes, that's right. God's looking at that heart and he's like, okay, yeah, that is the intention of your heart and that's what you came with. Right next to you is sitting somebody who possibly did not look like they responded at all in worship. Who looks like they don't have anything together. But they've just been through all kinds of hell. They've been through crushing defeat. They've been through offense they've been through being beaten up internally and God comes alongside such a one and he puts his armor on his and he's not intimidated by their lack of external response do you understand so when God comes alongside he goes way beyond what you and I see so when we sit there saying well you this is what God requires of us or this is what God desires from people so you need to respond in such a way you got to hold your jets, buddy. Because we have a God who goes way deeper than that. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, this is when it was time to select a king. And God sent Samuel to the house of uh, David's parents. You know, and he was there and all of David's siblings were around. And he looked at one of David's brothers and he was like, yeah, this guy looks like. The guy to pick. Solid, stocky guy, you know. Muscular build. Great hair. He looked good on Instagram. And the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or the height of his stature because I have rejected him. God was weighing something else. 
For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And even when it comes to how we operate over here, in Matthew chapter 6, this is Jesus talking, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Now I want you to pay attention to some, these are little nuggets hidden in here, but you will just skate by them because you think it was all about doing in public, doing in private, doing in public, doing in private. That's not the only thing in here. It says, Thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites in the synagogues and in the streets and in the church buildings, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, then they have received their reward. What was their reward? Anybody? What was their reward? Being recognized. Man, this guy's a stand-up guy. He did, wow. I mean, I really wish I was like that guy. Are there people that you wish to emulate? Now, there are certain things that are praiseworthy in the body of Christ that we'd be like, yeah, I really would love to be like that person. But God weighs the heart. So even the person who is doing it, everything that you do here, the clothes you wear, how impressive you want to look for a Sunday meeting, the offering you bring, how you present your children, God weighs the heart. Nothing escapes His gaze. And He watches for a heart that says, Lord, everything I have is yours. And sometimes we get muddled up with, what will they think? I don't look impressive enough. We are human and we fail sometimes like that. We tend to fall into the trap of being impressive. But God warns us. He says, I want you to keep your heart soft to these things. So that when I address it in you, you're not saying, why are you judging me? No, he's not judging you. He's, a, he's correcting something that is being drawn to a different affection. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that, pay attention to this word, what you're giving may be done in secret. It's not that you need to hide all these things. But there is a principle of hiddenness. That is the way God operates. This is a principle of God that you will miss when you will think it's all about hiding what you give. Or giving someone secretly, like slipping them a 20 or a 50. That's not the thing. That was not the goal. The issue is the way of God is not impressive on the surface. The way of God is underneath, I will do the most glorious things without you even noticing it. So pay attention to these refrains as you start to read scripture. And when you pray, do not pray like the hypocrites who love to stand and pray loudly and do all these big things in the synagogues and the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So there is reward in these things, but you must be careful. Which re what reward are you getting? What treasure are you storing up for yourself? But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your father who is in where? Is that meaning that God is hiding somewhere? No. It's showing you the principle that he does not parade his heart just 
for show. God says, I will wait till you come and meet with me. He does one-on-ones. He doesn't do just the, oh yeah, just because I'm God, I'm going to just, you know, do the money, money, money. That, he's not that kind of, he, he's like, just because I can show how much I've got, I'm not going to show. I will wait till you come and then I will give you all of it. All of it's for you. For the Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. You're dealing with somebody who knows you so intimately that there is nothing that you're going to inform Him about. Pray then like this. And this is where we get the prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer, I like to call the disciples' prayer because it is Him teaching us as disciples of His, as followers of His. This is how you pray. This is how you draw close to your heavenly Father. Don't try and come with fancy things. Don't try and come with big, huge, loud prayers. Come this way. Know that He is your Father and He's drawing you close to His heart. So when you start to see these principles at work, you will start to see in Scripture so much. The hiddenness of God is not an attempt for Him to say it's, He doesn't want to give it to people. He loves to give things to people. He loves to declare His heart to people. But it is for those who seek after Him. Jeremiah 70, 17, verse 9 and 10. And this is something I really want to warn us about. Because our heart, aside from the revelation of who Jesus is, is a very deceitful weapon. The heart, is, the heart of a person is so directional. Our heart directs us in everything that we do. This is our soul and spirit. When our soul is informed by an enlivened spirit, made alive to God and the promises of God, there is a mind that can now say, I will set my course. But when we do not live to the spirit, all we get is the works of the flesh, the works of our body, the works of whatever is in the world intoxicate us again and again. And again, and we, and we sit there saying, how can I beat this? How can I get away from this? I don't want to do this. Who will help me? This is Romans 7 and 8 for you. If you were reading, if you read through your Bible, you'll find what I'm talking through is Romans 7 and 8. And you suddenly come to this climax of saying, who will save me from this? This battle of, I know something internally that God has done. But my body wants to do something else. My mind is drawn away by all kinds of thoughts that lead me astray. And Romans 8 is such a wonderful passage because it says, When you are planted in the work of Jesus, there is a new law that is at work in you, which is the law of His Spirit, which then starts to breathe on, the, on your small s spirit. And you start to find your communion with God. You have an open connection with God that you do not need to go to a pope or a priest or a pastor or whoever it is to get. 
There are not so many confessions or rosaries or anything that you have to do. You, all you have to do is, Lord, here I am. In view of your mercy, I come. Help my heart. And then there comes an awakening by the Holy Spirit that starts to teach your mind to say no to certain things. And this is why Romans chapter 8 says, For the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Whereas the mindset on the flesh is, first of, all, first of all, hostile to God. It hates God. The problem is we don't think it's hating God. It's just like, it was just a Netflix series. What's the problem with that? You know when God has spoken to your heart. So when he told you to turn it off three episodes ago, you should have. So don't try and rationalize why, as a Christian, you do not need to be prudish about what you watch. Because that wasn't the point. The point was, did he speak to your heart? You have a father who gives to you in secret the treasures he has for you. He will only give you in secret. You're not going to hear a message about what Netflix series to watch. Do you understand? No one's going to sit here judging you or giving you a list of things to keep, at least not at this church. But what you're going to find is in your relationship with God, He calls you close and He says, this is a treasure for you. If you put this aside, I have something of great worth for you. Lord, Lord, yeah, I, I would love to give it. I would love to give you that. And the, sometimes He talks about the way you have your coffee time or the way you treat your husband or your wife or your kids. And it is these little places, secret treasure is stored up for you. Only if you seek after it. And he will come to you with these things again and again. But the mind that is set on saying, no, this is just my flesh and I'm entitled to it. You are training a hostility towards the things of God. We're still believers. We're still Christian. We're still going to. So none of those things are in question. The issue is you're training a dullness of heart. One of the biggest things that you will see in Revelation when Jesus is talking to the churches. Some of the, the commendations that God gives to these churches is amazing. I see your hard work. I see your fervency. I see your, you know, you love these things. And then you're like, why is this church ready to be put out? Because they tolerate a certain attitude or a, an, uh, a way that thinks that because I have all these things going for me, God doesn't really mind this. And he says, everything matters to me. In our walk that you and I have taken together, in the covenant that you and I have, this is not permitted. In my walk with God, there are certain things that he will call me out on that he will not call my wife out on. I find it sometimes very unfair because we live in the same house. And he will tell me, you, buddy, are accountable to me. She is accountable to me. But you are accountable to me. 
I will lead her. But I'm leading you. And I'm talking, but she, but he, but she, but. The but he, but she thing. It goes all the way back to the garden. In the Garden of Eden, that was always the, but, 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 you, it wasn't me. It really wasn't me. He was like, yeah, it was you. I'm dealing with you. And this is not me trying to call you out so that you, oh, I'm so useless. I knew I wouldn't get it right. No, I'm talking to you because I love you. So don't expect God to treat you like a kid in diapers in a certain area of your life. If you have graduated to adolescence or adulthood, there are other areas of, a, of your life where you are in diapers, and that's fine. You have to constantly keep this awareness of maturity in God is not a one-size-fits-all, one like zoop, you go up and you're now, I'm doing it. I've been walking with God for 30 years, and guess what? In the last two months, I'm telling you, I have discovered things in God which I had to grow up in. And I'm thankful for it. And I'm thankful for the word of life that comes to meet me in places where I was like, Lord, you are a saving treasure for me. Rather than me try to sit there and say, well, I really shouldn't be receiving it this way. I should receive it some other way. He says, you're mine. I'm covenanted to you and you are mine. You were bought with a price. Lord, and that's the awareness that immediately brings me to my knees that says, why was I trying to judge where I'm at in the context of what I've seen or what other people do? Do you see how easy it is to get sucked into this whole idea of God should give me on the basis of where the collective are? Or God should do something in my life because this is what all these people have got going for them. God says, no, I have things for you and only you. So I want to warn you that your heart can be a very deceitful thing. Jeremiah 17 tells you that. The heart is de deceitful above all things and desperately sick. So who can really understand what goes on inside a person's heart? Because it, it changes. There are so many things that when someone asks you, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Internally, you know the turmoil sometimes you're in. You can't even make head or tail of what you feel in that moment. But your heart is in all kinds of places. And God says in verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. There are certain things that God looks for and he goes all the way in and he says, I weigh that. In its unimpressiveness, in its messed upness, and in, in its successes and great glories too. God looks deep within and he says, let me draw you close to myself. That's He's always going for that. He's always going for that gold in you. He goes what is of most value. Mark chapter 7, just so you're aware of these things. Mark 7 for from within and out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things 
come from within and they defile a person. The problem is we think they made me do it. This is what is the problem. It's society that's the problem. It's this agenda that the country has or it's, guess what? All by your lonesome self, you're capable of all kinds of nastiness. All by yourself. All we have to do is leave you in a room by yourself. You'll come up with some crazy stuff. The thing is, we don't think that's true. We don't think that's true. And God's here to remind you, I see your heart. You ain't kidding me. You can look all nice and pretty here and be like, Judah, that seems very judgmental of you. I don't care. God judges the heart. Every time I see someone who looks at me, as I've gotten to this conversation a few times. When I've called people out on something, and I never judge people for the sake of judging people. When I see something that is against the work of God, out of love for you, when I come and say, hey, this is not on. It's not because I'm trying to judge you. So when people turn around and say, you're judging me, only God can judge me. And I'm like, and that should bother you right there. That statement, only God can judge me. And he's in the room. Talk to him. What do you have to say when God addresses you directly? You think he's coming down with a hammer just because his name is judge? He chooses in this time period to not hold his hammer of judgment down. He comes to you as a father with his hand open. He says, son, I'm calling this out. My daughter, I'm calling this out. Not because I hate you. Not because I think you should have done better. Even though you could have done better. As a parent, sometimes you understand this. The struggle of wanting your child to move to the next level, but then also seeing them fail. And then having to sit on the couch with them and walk through what went wrong. Are you prepared to have that conversation? If you're constantly going to misjudge or mistrust his intent for you, you will always think, well, he's just trying to judge me. You always think I do something wrong. You all, and I've had that conversation with some of my kids. You think I'm always doing this wrong? I was like, no, I don't think you're always doing this wrong. So that's a lie. Nobody. I was like, who's the one still sitting here with you? Do you want to get this right or not? I'm prepared to sit with you, work through this with you. Sometimes I might raise my voice because it was frustrating what you did. And I'm an earthly dad. Okay? I, I will screw things up. Like when I see something broken, I'm like, like I'll go into the garage and well, a few days ago, I had a whole scrape all across my car. And um, because one of my kids was helping me with something. And there was a part of me that was like, you don't have to! You know, I was like, but I was like, okay, okay, it's done. Okay, these are temporary things. <laughs> this is not my kid's life. All right. And I have to get back to a place of saying, this is not, you need to think through these things. You need to walk through these things. But I love you. There is nothing in my heart in me calling this out and me correcting a mistake. There is nothing in my heart that is against you. 
So I want to call you back to that. If you are sitting in this room in your relationship with God and feel like, I know there is something that the Lord has been putting his hand on. I don't want to treat it lightly because there is some treasure for me to have in this. He's calling me out because he's ready to promote me to something new. He's calling me into something where I can grow into maturity in something that I wouldn't have if he didn't. If he didn't call me out and sit me on the couch, I wouldn't grow in this area. There are certain things that I now entrust to my kids because of chats on the couch. But if we hadn't gone through that, we wouldn't be in this place where now the secret treasures of the heart are now disclosed. I can give this to you. There's coming a day when I will have to give one of my treasures, which is car keys. Right? But you don't just simply get it because you grew up and got, became 16. Do you understand? There is a concept of, I need to take you through certain things before this happens. Just because there are so many other 16-year-olds around or 18-year-olds around who have licenses and cars, you sitting here at 11 years old saying, well, shouldn't I have a car? Because look at, the, look at everybody. I don't care about everybody. You're my kid. Even if you were 18 and everybody had a car. Are you ready for a car? Sorry. But if you are, guess what? At 16, you will get, you, you get the concept of maturing in him is always tucked into a relationship. And where the maturity of your relationship with, is with God, that's where he will draw you into new things. In First Chronicles, it's not in our passages, but one of the wonderful things I love about how God sees into God sees, this is God talking to Solomon. God calls him to serve him with his whole heart and with a willing mind. And it says, for the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. Every plan and thought. He sees it all right within. And he's like, I want to help you with that. I want to help you with those things that you even cannot articulate for yourself. Because you're, you're like dancing between to perspectives on something. He says, I want to help you with that. Let me help you with that. Let me come close to you. So, what is God calling you to? The things that you love in this life are very good things most of the time. There are some things that you love a bit too much which you can clearly see is not helping you. Like how much you're on your phone, okay. How much you eat. These are all like simple things that you'd be like, you know what? I need to do better in these things. How I use my money, the language I use, the company I keep. These are some things that are clearly visible that you know like oh I should watch out for these things but what about those hidden things in your own heart 
which you yourself have not articulated. Not even your spouse necessarily knows some of these things. These are deep internal things. Psalm 51 verse 6 says, Behold, you delight in truth in my inner being. You teach me wisdom in the secret heart. And this is where I'm inviting you today. If you are to find the hidden treasure of God, this is the door we need to unlock. There are certain things that I can... I'm teaching at, and there are certain aspects of it which you're saying, yeah, I agree, I agree with that. I need this. You know, and I, I really agree with, you know, the, that I need to turn to God. I need to submit to God. All these things, yeah, great. But there is some deep, deep place in your heart which is locked away which you will not entrust to anyone else. And God's saying, I, I, I want you to be established in truth in that part. When you're established in truth, what flows out of you, which is Proverbs, it says, out of your heart flows everything that your life depends on. So guard your heart with diligence. Watch over your heart because that is where everything else springs from. And God's like, I want to get to that. He's calling for surrender. One of the scribes had come up to Jesus and they were disputing which commandment is the most important. This is in, Matthew, in Mark chapter 12. Jesus in part answered, The most important, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Jesus hits the nail on the head in one shot. And he goes, this is what everything else is based on. When you love the Lord your God with all your heart, because you're used to loving the Lord your God with your Christian heart. Not your internal heart. This is the Christian me. Looks good. Sunday, best. My kids are behaving-ish. Sunday lunch is going. That Christian heart. I'm ready for sermons. I'm ready for ministry of the word. Yeah. Got my coffee. My devo's going well. I even have a nice verse to post from my YouVersion Bible app for the day. That's your Christian heart. This is the stuff that you get to see and you feel nice about. And then he says, now there's the secret heart that I want to deal with in the Devo. Well, that was the Devo for the day. We're done. We'll come back tomorrow. We'll, we'll pick this up tomorrow. Even though this seems kind of funny, do you understand that this is exactly what you can get trapped in? You get a version of yourself that you've found a good compartment and a good avatar for. The moment Christianity is on, like the ding ding, oh, Christian avatar. Dun, dun, dun. All right, let's do this. 
I can do the worship songs. I can. But your secret heart is never touched. Your secret heart remains secret to you, not to him. He already saw it. He already saw it. And as a child of his, he longs for your secret heart to have truth. He longs for your inner being to have truth, establishing it. Because when he watches his child go through a Tuesday afternoon totally wrecked because some offense or something sideswiped them and they could not stand in the midst of it because their secret heart was so troubled by it long before Tuesday happened. And he was like, if you would only give me access to your secret heart, not your version verse of the day. Because version verse of the day was great for that moment. But I know that there was something internal that was not touched. That was not affected by truth. He says, that is where I store treasure for you. The treasures I have are not the things you will receive on a Sunday message. If you think that what you receive in a church meeting is great, wonderful. Guess what? That is not even the start of the treasures he has for you. The treasures he has for you are uniquely stored up with your name on it. Only for you. It's not for me. And he says, if you will go and seek after me with your whole heart, you will find yourself meeting me there. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. We're prone to these things. We're prone to trying to figure it out first for ourselves and then saying, now I will put my trust in that. He says, come with your heart, your, your inner heart, and I will help you. Luke 12, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So go sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide for yourself with no money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you're ever struggling with Lord, I want to value the things you value. I got to just do a quick gut check. What are the things that I value? What is it that's taking up real estate in my heart right now? Because I cannot just dump God into the mix. I want to squish God in there. You know, it's like, like when you're trying to squeeze like, you know, like books into a shelf, which has already got a full shelf, and you're trying to like... That's what we try to do with God in our heart. We're saying, Lord, I want to treasure your things. I love you, Lord. And he's like, I know you're not lying about that. I know you love me. But the problem is you've not affected all these possessions that you have, all these adorations that you have, all these value systems that you have. These are the things that have occupied all the real estate in the secret heart. Not your Christian avatar self, 
We're talking about your secret heart. He's like, that's all occupied. That, that, that real estate is already taken up. Let's sell all those things. So is, it, is this God saying you shouldn't have a house, you shouldn't have kids, you should? No, that's not what he's saying. The problem is in our secret heart, there are things that have us. We don't have it. For some of us, having a house would be the worst thing. It will have us. For some of us, having a car, a new one, might be the worst thing because it will have us. For some of us, having a great retirement account will be the worst thing because it will have us. All of these things are good things. All great things. Some of us should not get married right now because it will have us. We will not have a relationship that is glorifying God. What in your heart has taken primary real estate and said, this is what you need to be caring about? I have just walked through a couple of months having to evaluate some deep desires of my heart. It is one thing for God. I mean, I have just, wa having watched my father pass away, watching my mother walk through things, watching my family walk through certain things myself, I did not realize this part of the journey was about the secret heart. There are things that I value I would gladly let go for the purposes of God. I have even come to the place where I'm like, if you tell me to lay my life down for people in this church, in this country, I'm ready to give my life for these people. But then comes the Isaac ask. He says, are you prepared to give me a wife? That, I don't know. And when God gets to that place, you think he wants to take my wife from me? Because we had to walk through this. Do you think he wants to take my dad from me? I know my mom and dad have walked in the purposes of God. And I've watched them do these things together. Every single thing they've done, they've walked hand in hand. God, you love us. You care for us. And you're asking him to give her up. That was his greatest test right at the end. To watch him navigate that was hard. But when he said, I must let go, he wasn't letting go of his, his body he would have given up in a heartbeat. That wasn't the issue. The issue is letting go of the people and the things God has entrusted you with. Letting go of that. Those are the secret things we value. Good things. But when you see that the one who promised is faithful to her, to him, to every single thing that matters to your secret heart, he says, your heavenly father knows you need these things. But seek first the kingdom of God. And all of these things. I, I, I've got you. I've got, no, I don't know if you've got, I've got you. 
You are not going to be alone. I have to eventually come to a place where I say, Lord, I trust that you do have me. It's not an easy road. And I can tell you, it's raw for me. There, there are days when I have to reaffirm what it means to surrender. Because surrender is an easy word to say. It's a harder word to do. Because surrendering means I don't get to control it. I don't get to have a say. You do. So in the things of our hearts, to say, Lord, I lay everything bare. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. We just sang that. Nice words. It's harder to say in the secret heart, Lord, I give you everything. So when you have your moment with God, let him touch those really raw places that you might not have let him touch before. Say, Lord, I know you are good. I know you are faithful. I know you will never let me down. I don't mind losing in the eyes of man. Because I look like I don't have it together. I look like I don't look successful enough. But guess what? You are my win. Genesis chapter 15 verse 1. This is where I want to end. Can I have that in KJV please? And in, this is something that in the Hebrew of it, it's, it's, it's something that's very specific that I want you to see. Because when God was talking to Abraham, he called him out of nothing. He says, I want to join you to myself. Now we all know the story of Abraham continued on and what became the nation of Israel. But right at the start, this is what God promised him. Fear not, Abraham. I am thy shield. And your exceedingly great reward. Who is? He's not going to just give him a reward. And that's the problem with some of the newer translations. They've just translated it out. That it is that he was going to get a good reward. The point was, God was going to be his reward. When you see that Abraham latched on to that, this man who did not have anything together latched on to that. And for the rest of his life, God showed him how to walk that out. He gave him a son and he says, now take Isaac and bring him up. What do you mean sacrifice Isaac? I mean, I cannot sacrifice. This is my only son. This is the one who actually bears my name. God says, bring Isaac. Because Abraham would have given God anything. He says, now bring me the promise I gave you. That was literally what he was saying. I promised you. Like straight after this verses, he says, I will give you descendants as much as the sand of the sea. On all the beaches. He's like, count all of it. I'll give you more descendants than that. And then he gives him the one that he can actually see in person. That's the promise of God. He says, now bring me that promise. Like, what? what? You, didn't you just promise this to me? 
the moment you put the promise that God gave you back in his hands and realize he is the promise maker and he is the promise keeper. What I have in my hand is not the promise. He is the promise. So for me, the fact that he will cause my descendants to increase, the fact that he will have goodness for me in the land of the living, the fact that he has healing and restoration for me, the fact that he has prosperity for me, I do not try and hold on to these things like as of their mind to grab. Because that's not the promise. The promise is him. As long as I'm holding on to him, when I walk into prosperity, when I walk into health, these are all things that come from the treasures that he has for me. But he is my reward. And that is what I want to end with today. There are lots of things in your heart that God is calling out. But what he is drawing you close to himself for, he's like, my son, my daughter, will you make me your reward? When you make me your reward in the secret heart, you will start to find certain things just bloom open. Things that you've tried to get for years will start to make sense because you suddenly find I was never withholding anything from you. Not a single thing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are the God who holds our hearts. You're the God who knows us intimately, deeply, and you do not waste a single thing in our lives. You draw us close to yourself. Holy Spirit, we invite you, Lord, to, to do your surgery, to do your work, that your word would divide soul and spirit, get to the intentions deep within, Lord, and that you would establish truth there. We thank you that your word brings life, for your word is truth, and wherever your word goes, will, it will bring life. So we speak to dry places. We speak to places that have been hurt, to places that have been bruised, to places that have been stuck away and stuffed down. We speak the word of life to those deep places. Lord, I ask that you would awaken love. I ask, O oh Lord, that you would awaken, Lord God, a sense of purpose. Lord, a sense of knowing that you have our hearts in your hand that you have our hearts so close to you that you seek to do us good and you seek to be a blessing to us lord god in everything that we go through so lord i ask that you would minister to hearts this morning lord that there would be such a revelation of jesus to each one personally in jesus name amen lord we thank you for the word that you have given us